1: Why should someone listen to this episode of Pod Friends?
0: Yes, someone should listen to this episode of Pod Friends because a lot of times we go and we hear and we see and we have a typecast of one person, like, oh, this is Marianne. This is the XYZ. And this is what the definition that I've made of her from what I've seen. But now from listening to Pod Friends, you can say, this is Marianne. And this is Marianne's perspective of being Marianne. And this is her saying, her story not me watching her story
1: marianne you are one of a kind you are such a <laughs> gem such an amazing person you have so much light so much vibrance i am thankful and i'm excited for people to listen to this episode of pod friends
0: yay
1: there we go <laughs> Is Matt Scott back for another season of Pod Friends, season three, here coming at you with conversations, just like the theme song by Will from America says conversations behind the mic with people from this. Rob has a podcast network community. Um, some people we know, some people we don't know that well, but all of them, even if we don't start the episode loving them. We walk out loving them. And that's my favorite part about pod friends. And I am thankful to be back for another season in this survivor off season coming at you with about eight episodes over the next several weeks. All about people from this community, people like today's guest. Marianne O'Ketch, people like Mike Bloom and Jessica Lee and Evie Jagoda and more to come this season. So much coming up. I won't belabor the point or delay it other than just to show so much love to this week's guest, Marianne, who I'd had the pleasure of meeting a couple of times at some of the live events happening in DC, where I live. And you know, really to to spend this time having a conversation with Marianne who shares so much of herself so beautifully. I think the thing I love most is how efficient she is in terms of sharing her perspectives, but also how comprehensive and detailed she is in sharing her perspectives and her wisdom and her advice and her experiences and her stories. And so if you know Marianne, you know that this is going to be a great one. So buckle up for that um, and for what was really a conversation that I'm thankful for, and that kind of made my my eyes well up a little bit just um, with how meaningful and powerful it was and if this conversation or any conversation from the catalog of pod friends resonates with you, number one I would just invite you to leave a review for the podcast to show some love to pod friends or and or, you know, it doesn't need to be an either or. We don't need to work with the binary. <laughs> and you can follow along at HeyPodFriends on social media, at GW and tweet me and Marianne to let her know what resonates. So you could leave a review. But another way that I would love to hear from folks, especially from this episode as we're back with PodFriends, is with any voicemails. You could leave a voicemail because this isn't my show. This is our show. This is the community show. You can be part of the podcast by leaving a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash podfriends. That's uh, S-P-E-A-K, pipe.com slash podfriends. Or you could email me at podfriends at robhiswebsite.com. And it might even be read on an episode of Podfriends. And so... So many more plugs. I'll give more of them after this is all up. But the one thing I want to kindly ask you to do as you sit there, wherever you're listening to the podcast is to hit subscribe, subscribe to pod friends to tune in, uh, for more episodes to come. There's a lot coming up this season, which will be really phenomenal. And, um, if you don't have the podcast pull up right in front of you, uh, which I don't know how you're listening to it, but still, you could subscribe at robhisawebsite.com slash pod feed. And the last thing I'll say is there's never a bad time to become a patron and supporter of this community. This community, Rob has a podcast, is what allows there to be a pod friends and for us to have these conversations. And you can become a supporter at com slash Patreon. So I don't want to hold things up. I want to dive right in. More plugs. After the conclusion of this interview. But for now, let me introduce our guest. Making her way to the podcast, hailing from Ajax, Ontario, Canada, by way of Germany, by way of Kenya, please welcome a bright light, a gamer, a video and table, a reader, a rebel, an adventurer, a seminarian, a survivor, and a chaotic force for justice, the winner of Survivor 42, and a friend to you, to me, and to all, the one who the only Marianne O'Ketch! So just as we get started, I want to give you, you know, like a softball question, Marianne. What's something that people, the people who probably know so much about you already, what's something that people would be surprised, gobsmacked, uh, hoodwinked to know about you that they don't already know?
0: Oh my goodness, something that's gobsmacked, hoodwinked.
1: Hoodwink Uh, me, gobsmack me, surprise me.
0: Gobsmack you. Oh, here's a good one. I still am figuring out what I want to do with my life. Like, I think like a lot of times, you know, when people do something, it feels like, oh, they have their life all put together. They have the future set in front of them. I'm still figuring that out. I'm still deciding and changing and making decisions and being like, I'm going to do this Then be like, oh, wait, never mind. I don't want to do this or I'll change and do this or I'm going to do that. So I'm still exploring. I'm in the exploratory part of my life.
1: Yeah, that's it's interesting to hear that even off the bat, and you know, as context, not that this defines everything, but you're are you twenty four or twenty five? Just turned twenty five. Congrats! Happy birthday, first of all. Um, but yes, you're twenty five now, and like I turned thirty in twenty twenty two, and what was interesting is like there's. It might seem on paper like there's not a big difference between like 20 and 25 or 25 mm-hmm. and 30. And I feel like every year as you go along, um, there's just so much more life and growth. But mm-hmm. it's interesting because um, I- I'm sorry that people think that you have it all figured out. Is that a lot of pressure?
0: Um I don't think it's a lot of pressure per se. I think it's more so just like the culture where I've been in the people who have been in, right? Where people are like, oh, especially like coming from a very cerebral background, a very stem background, people are like, oh, I'm getting first my undergraduate then I'm gonna go into research or I'm gonna go do a second degree and I'm gonna go do this or, pe- yeah. or that after people already know their paths right and then when people divert from said path so we have other people where it's like oh I'm gonna do my undergraduate but I'm gonna switch degrees or I'm gonna switch focus they mm-hmm. still have that focus on what they want to do whether it's like going and just working whether it's going and just like pivoting right so I think that like especially being surrounded or like continually being surrounded by people who kind of already have that path and vision for them yeah. while I'm still on that exploratory route, which is fine. It's like, Oh, like, where's the end destination? And I'm like, I'm just looking at what the destination is like two steps forward. So I don't trip at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like, that's life though, where, you know, so often people have a plan or a path or something figured out like 10 steps down the line, if not all the way through the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, like, that's never been me to have those Mm -hmm. plans figured out. And I also feel like sometimes when people have the plans figured out so far ahead, like, you realize, like, oh, I've just been on autopilot doing what people think I should do. Sometimes, you know, I think um, people have a path defined and figured Mm -hmm. out and then they realize, like, oh, that's not actually what I want to do. So, Uh, not that you need to hear this from me, but totally okay that you're figuring it out. Mm. And actually there was so much that I wanted to, and there is so much that I want to dive in with you today, Marianne, Mm. because you are a fascinating person. There's so much to, to get into, but, um, one of the things I actually was personally curious about was kind of this question, which is like, what is it that you're still trying to figure out about life or what barriers or things are you are you looking to tackle and maybe like to phrase that as a question that we could put out there from you to me to the universe to the listeners like what are you trying to figure out other than like the bigger picture of where you want to go are there like core questions that you're like s- gripping, gripping with really starting on a deep emotional note here, Mary. Yeah,
0: I know. Right. <laughs> You're like, let's start with a good one. We're like, <laughs> a, like a simple one. Um, I think for me, it's finding that relationship with work where it's like because I want figure, I know that I want to work with something that I'm passionate about. And I that's like something which I want to do. But I have so many passions to try to figure out, OK, how do I go and make sure that all my passions are together? Like, how do I make sure like that what I'm doing? it's exciting for me that it's not just a board that it's and it's not just something that I have to do and you know with Winning Survivor I have that privilege where I'm able to go and have that flexibility and figure out where it's like well I want to do this because it interests me not because I, I feel as if I have to but then it's like when sometimes when I go and I explore my interests it feels like there's still something missing. So Mm -hmm. one thing about me, I graduated from seminary college this year and I was working in ministry for a bit and it was very fulfilling, but not fulfilling enough. Like I still felt like an itch for like other parts of me that I wanted, like that I wanted to input, which I felt as if I wasn't able to do in Mm -hmm. ministry, even though like it's a, it's a great, I had so much fun. I love the people there. I love the ministry that I was working with. Mm -hmm. So then it's trying to figure out, okay, so what is it that I really care about? What is it that I want to do? But then after having that like nervousness of like putting the work into it, but then also trying not to believe the second cost fallacy of then, oh, yeah. well, if I do this and then I quit, it's not like a waste of my time. It's like, I don't have to continue doing it, but it's also not me wasting X number of years. So just continue going on that path, discovering, do I like this? Do I not? What are the things I like about this? What are the things I don't like about this? And because discovering giving your time to see if you like, it takes time. That's the path that takes time.
1: Yeah. I love that though, because it's, it's powerful to, um as you kind of think about like, am I wasting my time? And ultimately the thing that the thing that's so interesting to me is like, we can't go back in terms of time. And we also can't jump forward. Like we're always in the present moment as we exist, as we interact with the world. And, you know, I think even that idea that we've lost time, like that, that we can't take that back. It was like, Oh my gosh, I wish I could do something with it. It's like, so much of it's about reframing how we look at things and how we think of things. And I love that you have this question about your life and where it's going because I always love to learn more and to dive deeper with people who are like looking for where they are in their journey. And so I feel like this is like weirdly turning into career coaching as opposed to um, a a podcast interview. But I want to ask like, because I was, I I feel like with you, Marianne, obviously You've been places on podcasts and otherwise where people will introduce you and sum you up in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to ask another deep, big question, but this time with less words. Who are you?
0: Oh, my goodness. Who am I? I'm trying
1: to give you an existential crisis, Marianne. That's I exactly
0: know, I, mean. I know. I'll need to call Melissa. That's my therapist <laughs> name. I'll just be, be like, after this, be like, Melissa. Shut I need, like, I need to stop. It's Melissa. I love her. <laughs> yes. Um. Who am I? I'm 25. I'm mm. one survivor. I mm-hmm. am first generation immigrant. Mm-hmm. A lover of food. Ooh. A lover of travel. Yes. Um, passionate about um identity, knowing like. Be like knowing who you are. Passionate about my faith. Mm-hmm. Passionate about um, passionate about science communication and health mm-hmm. promotion, especially in um, underrepresented communities. Right. Passionate about that. Um, video game lover of video games, specifically Nintendo. Okay. Um, lover of comfort, specifically blankets. I have a massive blanket collection, but you can never have too many blankets. <laughs> and
1: a new beanbag chair owner Ooh, ooh. okay well we see the comfort uh hopefully the blankets are getting used on the beanbag chairs exactly and, and it's like I, I ask about that because uh and i ask about who you are you did such a beautiful job of summing yourself up which i think is no surprise um marianne <laughs> but like it's interesting because so often when i'm talking to people you know like in my work my my job is like it's a job. It's a job. I don't. I won't say it's barely a job. I was about to say that, but it's storyteller, and people are like, "What is that?" Um, but a lot of that's like interviewing people and getting to know them and highlighting their stories, which also means like learning about career paths. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like people get in their heads about like, "What should I do? What's a real job? What's not a real job?" Um, and then I also think about a lot of like very like especially different cultures where like certain jobs are not real jobs, which is Mm -hmm. something that I see come up a lot, especially in talking with like people from communities of color or immigrant communities and the like. And I'm so curious from you, like, was there an expectation of what job you would do as you were a kid? Um, and, And, you know, beyond that expectation that maybe like your parents might have had or your community might have had, like, what did you want to be growing up?
0: I wanted to be everything when I was growing up, like from astronaut to doctor mm-hmm. to lawyer, but, um, Oh, to chef i think i want to be a chef for a bit there but i think for the expectation at least from my experience is that like especially as a first generation immigrant there's this thought where it's like my parents did not move like either countries or continents or like <laughs> half across the world for me not like for me not to either be in the same like social economic or like higher yeah. social economic level than them so there's always that pressing expectation where it's like okay what am i get like so it's like what am i going to do like to make sure that i'm financially successful so the sacrifices that my parents made were worth it, right? Mm-hmm. So then that kind of leans into like where the jobs that you're thinking of. Like for example, I remember having a conversation with my mother being like, "I want to be a teacher." My mom's like, "Why not a professor?" Or like <laughs> it's always like the, "I want to be a nurse. Why not a doctor?" Where it's like always that like pushing you to that next level where it's like not only is it for the the what I'm trying to say, the social um view of the reputability of the role, right? but like also also, the um what's the word I'm looking for? the the autonomy and authority that that role has. Right? right Where It's like you're able to make your own decisions in that in in the role that you're having rather than other people making those decisions for you.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so it's interesting because i mean you mentioned your mom for example and um i think of my mom who was a college professor she retired right before the pandemic but for like 30 years like was a college professor um phd and everything so we both have doctor moms in different ways but Mm -hmm. i can also imagine how having a mom like you mentioned you you broke it down perfectly in terms of some of the considerations here that there's like a cultural element and then there's the standing of how society might perceive you but then also just like the autonomy that comes with the role especially in a world where that mat- that autonomy matters for you know certain groups who might be treated certain ways or not mm-hmm. receive certain opportunities so on and so forth but I kind of want to like di- dig into that a little because I know from what I've seen, what I've heard that you are a fan. Uh, uh, now I'm going to say this in a really awkward way. You're a fan of your mom. Is, is that uh, right? Yeah.
0: I'm my mom's <laughs> number one fan. Like I always root for her. She's my role model. Yeah. I think that like her story is amazing and I love sharing her story. Um, so for those who don't know, my mom also first generation immigrant because, you know, I'm a first gen immigrant, mm-hmm. but she was born into poverty. But then after she like worked, her way to then become a doctor in kenya that's where we're from and there were a lot of different things like like one time like someone changed her like college application without her permission like but then after so she wasn't able to go to the actual school that she wanted to go to then she had to transfer in after just a wild story then she was a doctor she yeah. met my dad when we, then my dad wanted to get his PhD in germany so she um gave up um becoming a practicing doctor Mm -hmm. so my dad could go and get do his research get his PhD we moved to Canada Mm -hmm. she got her master's in Canada but she realized she still wanted to pursue medicine so she then became a doctor went into residency in Canada was the first black doctor to do so in that specific program faced adversity there and then now she's a practicing family practitioner and I think it's a great story of just like at like overcoming adversaries, overcoming like like roadblocks to go and succeed on the dream that you're making. And then also not only overcoming those blocks, but then choosing to sacrifice for someone else, but not choosing to sacrifice on your dream out for the long term.
1: Yeah. That's really powerful to to hear and to understand. Like for your for your mom, how did was there a point where you became aware of that story? I ask because I feel like with my mom, still there are moments where I'm just like learning about a lot of the things that she navigated just because as a parent, she didn't, there was, there was so much that she um, has taught me and my other siblings and everything. And my mom was also, as I mentioned, a college professor of like social inequality and so, and, and uh, world religions and a bunch of other topics where I felt like um. I learned about that along the way, but not always about like the struggles that she had um, until like now when I'm like, oh, I'm going to this. She's like, oh, I've been there. I know that. So I'm curious, like, when did you become aware or start to appreciate your your mom and the, you know, the not only the challenges, but kind of like the superpowers that she was able to to bring to the table?
0: I think when it comes to parents, the appreciation always comes after the fact, after mm-hmm. after they've experienced that when, you know, when you've gotten older and you get to have those discussions and st- like and get to talk to them, you know, like not just parent to child, but also kind of like in a mentor to mentee, peer to peer relationship and discussing mm-hmm. what they've experienced. Right. So I feel as if like that appreciation of my mother really starts to become in high school when it was just me and my mom because my dad was like working abroad my sister was in school and my brother was also in school so there's just a lot of time when it was just me and my mom and we just had so much mm. time just to talk with to each other and get to know one another just like even more which I really start to develop that deep appreciation for her journey and what she's done.
1: Wow yeah and I, I think one thing that's also fascinating just in talking about um, not only your mom and and your dad but also just how you grew up is that something i really appreciate about you is um just kind of like thinking about who is marianne like what makes Mary marianne, marianne um do you describe yourself as a weird or you have described yourself mm-hmm. as a weird person which first of all i want to ask marianne what is so weird about you i have a bone to pick with you about this are you weird
0: yes don't you dare try to take my weird <laughs> card from me! That's so disrespectful.
1: I'm trying to strip it away from you. No, you're point. not stripping. Conspiracy. You're not stripping
0: the weird card away from me. I yeah. think it's just like specifically like, where the thing where it's weird was like more like the the exuberant like, personality, like the odd, like the, more the personality weird. Like I would always push the boundaries, and and that sometimes is weird. But like when you think of push the boundaries, you're thinking like, oh yeah, she dismantled the system. No, I'm talking about in. I have a great story that'll prove exactly yeah, in seventh please. grade. Um, so, in the school that we had, we had a dress code, right? Mm-hmm. So, the dress code was okay, you must have, like, if you're wearing shorts, the shorts must be like farther than the tips of your fingers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, then I realized I thought the rule was kind of like, okay, whatever. But I realized I had this oversized t shirt and my t shirt <laughs> was just longer than my, like, than the, the hands of my, like, of, like of the rule so then what I did was that I took my pants off in the middle of school and I'm like no yes and I was like you can't do anything because according to the dress code this is allowed so like all you all you can do is ask but you cannot force me to put my pants on so then I do like I like I just used to do that then so I just like be walking around running around with my pants and I'm just like what are you gonna do about it because it follows the rules and then yeah so I put the pants on after. I Wouldn't just keep the like just <laughs> wouldn't been running around pantless the whole day, but you know stuff like that, right?
1: You're so you're like a big time rebel, Marianne. Like, would you describe yourself? I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. But is that is that right, or is I, this just the moment you had?
0: I think it's. Is it really rebelling if you're following the rules?
1: Mm. That's
0: the question. It, well,
1: who well, makes the rules? Probably, and all, a bunch of others it's like things.
0: I think yes maybe maybe yes I would I've always been somewhere it's like pushing for fairness and like also like I've been someone where it's like if I think a rule's dumb I'll never I won't follow it that's just who I am where I'm just like you need like if the rule makes sense I'll follow it like if it's a dumb rule I'm not gonna follow that rule but then mm-hmm. I think where it's like in that dress code thing it's like look you're not gonna you're gonna say shorts are bad but then after yeah. this rule technically in your guidelines it's right so clearly there's something that's off there but Maybe. So maybe, yeah, I'm a
1: little bit of a rebel. Well, I I, I mean, I guess I'm curious, like thinking about that. Have you seen that? Have you seen that rebellious streak? If we're going to call it that, because now you're definitely a rebel. So I'm going to keep saying it. Um, Oh, my gosh. Have you seen that in other parts of your life otherwise i'm i'm trying to really establish uh this archetype of yours as a as an unstoppable rebel uh what i don't know i was gonna say devil devil may care whatever it's called
0: i'd say it's more of a chaotic force for justice where a lot of times where it's like if I see something is unfair, I will call it out as it is. Uh-huh. Like, I just had a story, which I was like a thinking of like a whole antidote, but I can't remember what it is exactly at the time. But there's a lot of times when it's like where if I think something is unfair, like I'll call it out as I see it. Like, I know mm-hmm. that like I've had I've been like where it's like it comes with my personality where it's like a lot of people see it as a combative personality where like I'll be like, this isn't un- this is unfair. Why are we doing this this way? This is very um, this is very rude and I'll do it usually for others or yeah. sometimes even for myself. Like sometimes where I feel as if, I, if I'm being treated unfairly, like I'll just go off and just yeah. like be like, this is like the way that this isn't fair. This is the double standard that's being shown. Da, 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 right. So but there's a balance to be said, right? Where it's like, where it's like I'm fine pulling it up for others, but for myself, I usually I'm just like this is okay. This is okay. This is okay. But then when it's not okay, I'm like all of these things weren't okay, which yeah. also isn't fair to the people as well, because you're not communicating that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, the thing I appreciate about that is that I I definitely relate a lot to that where, you know, I am, and I think especially just like, when you experience things in your life, especially negative things, or challenging things, or systemic barriers, or whatever it might be that comes up, then when you have things that don't carry that same weight, at least for me personally, it's really easy to be like, I'm not going to waste my energy on that. I'll move on. It's not a big deal. But for the next person who's like I've always I feel like just like you, I've been the person who is more concerned with like my friends or my family. Don't mess don't mess with my friends. Don't mess with my family. Don't mess with any of my my teammates, anyone like that because um I don't know, it just feels easier sometimes to stand up for others, but it is interesting because One thing I'm always so fascinated by with pod friends is digging into like where that thing comes from. Where did you become that, that person who stands up for other people? Or do you like know where or how you became that person? Was it from your mom's spirit of like, I'm going to do what I need to do while also watching out for like what my husband wants or what my family wants? Um, Or was it from somewhere else?
0: Hmm. You know, I can't get, I can't give you a definitive answer on that. Like, it's always just been something. I've always been someone, even as a kid, who's, like, cared about, like, fairness. Like, Mm -hmm. even, maybe it comes, like, especially from, like, being that middle child, just making sure that, like, I'm getting the same amount of love as my older sister and my younger sister and my younger brother. Oh, sorry. Uh And then just, like, (laughs) And then now it just like extrapolating, expanding to the other app facets of my life being like, well, if this is like what's happening and I want fairness for myself, it's like I'll want to have fairness for others.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, by the way, I will say uh, this this conversation weirdly reminds me of your survivor bio before you know from on cbs.com mm-hmm. before I enter the season. It's still up there. And I was so fascinated reading it back like in the last few days, because I was thinking, damn, Marianne is a psychic. Like she's got it figured out. She knows she's going to win Survivor. (laughs) Um, But I I think one one of the things that jumps out to me is it mentions like your time at university and Mm -hmm. you uh, standing up to systemic racism as a black student at the Mm -hmm. university. But I'm, I, as someone who was, um, when I was in college, was all about advocating for, you know, our students on campus. And now, as someone who's really about pushing back against the systemic barriers, um, I was just fascinated by that. And I'm curious, like, what that was like for you. Because I know that when I was a university student and pushing back, even against Things that were not about race, that um, that was difficult. And so I'm curious, like, what uh, what happened without getting pod sued? sued? Uh, what happened? And um, kind of, you know, how did you navigate uh, pushing back?
0: Yeah, I think this one, I think for the university really shows the importance of having that platform having someone advocate for you so what happened for that article that i wrote um in university Mm -hmm. i was actually reached out to by a friend to write that article for black history month so she was like oh i want to hear about like different people's experiences about um especially like for black students about the university i'd love to hear like what people are saying right yeah so i at first i was like yeah sure like i'll say something but then I remember having a conversation with a friend, like complete, like with another friend. And we were just talking about, cause we kind of, we were in different programs, but we were similar because you had to apply and have some. Supp- so in Canada, not wow. every program has a supplementary application, only mm-hmm. some do. And so we were talking about how, since we were both in programs that had supplementary applications, we were talking about how we didn't see a lot of black people in these programs. Like that was just something which we didn't oh, wow. see. Yeah. And then, so I realized we both had the same experience. I'm like this, I'm like, well, if I have the same experience, she went to a different school and she has the same experience. Maybe there's other people who have that experience. So then I put a call. So our school, we had a we had a Facebook group for Black students of a past university. I put in a call, being like, Have you ever been like a student in like a specifically like a like either specifically in supplementary application based programs or any program? And have you ever ex- like? Can you tell me? Just tell me your story. Tell me your experience. Right. And every single person had very similar experiences where it's like. Um, where they're talking about that feeling of like isolation or feeling as if they had to be the the representative of their whole race, which adds pressure to you. That it and then after it's a cycle where it's like if it's yeah. adding pressure. You don't have but. The program uses you to like say, oh, we're like, look, we have diversity, but they're not giving you the supports to help mm-hmm. you succeed and being one of the first um, black students. Like specifically for me, I was the first black student in my program with there were three of us and I was the only I was the first black student to graduate from my program. Mm-hmm. And then just feeling those feelings of isolation and then see, seeing that it's something that a lot of people felt across the border even people talking about how they felt when they were learning about systemic racism and and like injustice how they felt mm-hmm. that they were the ones who had to answer when they just wanted to learn as well too and just it was and just like hearing that this this was something that so many people have experienced but we have never talked about it i'm just like you know what i'm gonna write like right from my perspective right from other people's perspective just because mm-hmm. i had that platform to go and write and that article was so well received in both like the in like the no. in the student community it was received well in the university community i actually got to go and have a meeting with the equity inclusion diversity officer because of it and like share my thoughts about how i felt about how i felt why i wrote this why other people were writing this what the what the issues were about like not knowing like about like how they there were supports but these supports weren't advertised so then it's like mm. we don't have any supports because that's another issue as well too wow. and then like talking about like how like the feelings especially in a lot of these supplementary programs a lot of them are group based and then talking about like how group dynamics and then have people who like are known and how people will go and relate to people who they feel similar to how that even adds like a second layer where it's like, okay, if people aren't similar to you, if people are going and being raised and like, and have never really interacted with someone who's racialized, then it's like, how does that affect what, Like, how do the, like the, Um, biases go and lean to how people will treat you in said program and how does that go and also affect you and you as a person does it give you like a self-fulfilling prophecy Do you have to like are you confident enough to push through so there's just so many good discussions that were gone through that and Mm -hmm. that all came from just like the opportunity to speak right the opportunity for someone to be like hey do you want to write this hey do you want to do this do you want to share your story because giving that platform is such a powerful thing because a lot of people M- might have that story, but there might not be opportunity to go and say that platform. So some mm-hmm. people, yes, are able to go and then force themselves and make themselves have a platform so people will listen. And that's great. But other people might not feel comfortable doing so, which is why allyship is so important. Having that person who's like, hey, this is something which I know is an issue. Would you like to speak on it? Yeah, that, yeah. that was a whole story. No,
1: it was <laughs> a great story. And I was in it. I was in it. And just like um, I also just uh, found myself getting emotional hearing it because there is such a huge difference between the urge to take an action and actually take an action. Mm-hmm. Like that little leap, even if it's the leap of hitting send on the thing that you wrote mm-hmm. or publishing it, because each of there's always, I always feel like when you're doing something that involves speaking up, especially mm-hmm. if it's about something like. Race where you know that you have to explain to people or help them understand the dynamics Mm -hmm. and group dynamics, and you really broke down a lot of it that there's, there's, there could be a hesitation. Do you remember there being a hesitation or any hesitations for you in pushing for that and doing that? And if so, kind of how did you get past those? Mm
0: -hmm. I think for the specifically the article, there wasn't any hesitation, but that's because I had a prior experience that kind of broke the ice I think for me so a little bit of a story time in this is uh mm-hmm. for my high school and a lot of elementary school I actually went to a predominantly white high school and mm-hmm. so a lot of my times it was like just like survive or be survived like survive like kill or be killed was kind mm-hmm. of like the vibe which I got and mm-hmm. like I remember even going and trying to like make myself a my model minority and like push myself and be like well i'm not like these other black students like i remember being like oh i'm the resident black kid but i'm like, oh, it's like i love science and all these things so instead of going and like accepting the parts of me i tried mm. to go and like separate me as a person to who my race was to try to feel that acceptance right yeah. so this was something that was kind of my defect defense mechanism but i remember one time it was easter i think of the Easter before I wrote the, the article I can't remember what the year is right now I'm blanking a bit but I was at a station and I just remember like feeling just such discomfort in the presence of police force because of the situation being like yeah. wanting, like because there was something that was happening and no one was there it was only me and the two police officers and one person and then wanting to say something but then after just like feeling as if I didn't have a voice and then being like and feeling that I didn't have a voice because of my race and then mm. being like And then feeling that feeling and knowing that I did not want to have that feeling again, being like, okay. and then trying to show myself I do have a voice. I do have a right to I do have a right to speak up. I do have a right to ask questions. I do have a right to go and point out issues was that that was the big turning point for me because that situation happened. Now, when someone offered me that platform, I didn't have that hesitation. I'm like, I'm like, this is a platform from which I can I I. know that I can have and then sometimes when people feel that they don't have a platform or they feel as if like the platform might be courtesy they might go and step back but it's like I know that like I have that platform I've known from my past experiences that I always have that platform that I want to take that opportunity and then speak to things which I might not have felt comfortable speaking for even a year ago or even two years ago.
1: Oh, wow. I am like so amazed and thankful even just for what you're sharing. And I relate so much to it as someone who grew up going to like primarily white institutions like my whole life, some less diverse than others, high school, college. And I think that it's so challenging to find that place where you find your voice and to to. Also, it's challenging to have other people who don't come from that background understand, like, how much you go through just to be able to show up and do something like what you talked about or how much, um, I don't know if strength's the word, but just how much really it takes to be able to do that. And um, I, I feel like... The tears well up a little bit in my eyes, like hearing that from you, just um, knowing the weight of that and but also how much of like a superstar you are just for even being able to navigate that. And also, I'm sure people listening to this, myself included, uh, flash forward into your journey into something that was a lot more visible that you're constantly asked about um, with the tribal council the famous famed tribal council um, in your season of Survivor Star 42, where um, you spoke up about a lot of these issues. And um, I, I think that uh, one thing that's great is you've done such a powerful job breaking down why you spoke up. I think a lot uh-huh. of what you've said here speaks to that. Um, but, you know, the the thing that I want to kind of say from my perspective to like, thank you is that not only did watching you speak up means so much to me as like a young black man in particular, like, Oh my God, I could trust in Marianne to voice the things that I can't say from the opposite side of the screen. But also that meant so much to me personally, even just from the perspective of playing some of these like fan made uh, live reality games where I'm like, I wish people, I wish I had the words at times, Uh what you're, what you were able to kind of say, but, you know, you've, you've talked so much about that moment and that experience. I don't know if there's anything, is there anything you, you know, you haven't voiced or said just about um, that that platform and that space that you had to to speak up because i i know that i feel like everybody asks about it
0: yeah look i think the thing which i have to add to it is i feel as if a lot of times when people have platforms to speak about issues and justices right people have the feeling and the fear that they need to have everything right that they need to have everything perfectly correct for it to have merit or worth and i want to say that's That's incorrect. Like you don't Mm. need to have every all the words, right? You don't need to have all your like every single fact, right? Like every single thing, because you're speaking from your experience and you're speaking from your story and you're speaking from your perspective and just being able to go and share your story that will connect with people. Like there'll be always so Even if like you're a little bit wrong, people are like most people aren't going to be like, oh, well, this one fact is wrong. They're going to see the gist of it. They're going to see the story of it. They're not going to go and look. They're not going to look at at when you maybe stumbled on your words or when you used a word wrong or when you maybe were slightly wrong. So it's like having that platform to speak. You don't need to be polished. You just need to speak from the heart, I think, is a very big thing, which. I think is important, especially about that moment as well. Where it's yeah. like my when I spoke about it, it's like what I said wasn't perfect. What I said wasn't like it didn't encompass everything, wasn't the be all the end all like it wasn't, right?
1: <laughs> From my perspective, no. it was perfect enough. It was perfect Exa- enough. Exactly. I get what you mean. I but that's what, mean. what it
0: is. It was yeah. perfect enough. Mm-hmm. But the thing is it was but the thing is in my perspective, it wasn't perfect, but I still said it
1: yeah yeah and i will say this like and not to make it about me and my experience but something that i i just appreciate so much is that you know i've only um i have this is very different from the survivor experience but like my experience my little experience interacting with survivor beyond watching was playing a, a live reality game where i found myself in a in a in a group of fans Mostly, there was one other black person, but it was mostly like white, white fans and speaking about these things in a time that was before season 41, before season 42, Mm -hmm. before season 43. And so I just have to say how thankful I am as a person, as a Survivor fan, all of that. Um, And I know I speak for so many people in how meaningful that, um, how meaningful it's been to have that representation. But I, I want to ask you because you're in this like interesting space where obviously you're a survivor fan, not, not only of new school survivor, but of what this, what this whole thing has been, uh, probably since the beginning. I'd imagine, I know that you're a survivor historian far more than I am. Oh my so. goodness. No, 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 no. <laughs> definitely more than I am. That's okay. <laughs> but I think I like, I, I um ask like, how does it feel for you to be, surrounded by so much more um, or so much diversity in general in terms of what Survivor is. I mean, I think of like Wendell and Bryce, obviously, and the community that they bring together with Bryce and when Presents. Um, And I think of Davey, who I know was one of your inspirations going into Survivor. And again, if uh, anyone wants to go back and read what you wrote in the cast, (laughs) which was like uh, a little bit prophetic um you can about that but like what has that been like to have that diverse community and maybe i i, I realized that you obviously don't have the benefit necessarily of like here's what this experience for me was like as a player without that community mm-hmm. here's what it was like with it but like what has that meant for you to be surrounded by so many more people who kind of get it than maybe maybe in the past honestly
0: it's something which I'm just really honored and blessed, like so happy that that's where we're moving forward. Like you have people who you get it with. Right. Cause the thing about survivor, it's a social game, right? So the more people when you're playing and who have played, who get it, the better your like footing is because you don't have, you're not like one step behind. But the thing that it makes me feel is that it's just, like I said about fairness, it makes me want to, it makes me like want like in a perfect world for everyone to like, be able to have that community be able to have people who look like them when they're like, when they're in the community, be able to be welcomed into open hands. Like, you know, there's some, there's beauty in being a trailblazer, but like Mm. the beauty, but the hope is that no one has to ever be a trailblazer again. No one has to be the first this or the first that, or like the first in X many years Mm -hmm. of like winning or playing or experiencing survivor where it's just so common that you can be like, Oh, this is what part of my identity. It's like, oh, look, like, for example, oh, look, I'm black. Here's a black winner, here's a black winner, here's a black winner. Oh, look, I'm someone who I say I'm very nerdy. Here's a nerdy winner, here's a nerdy (laughs) winner, here's a nerdy, I'm a woman, here's a woman winner, here's a woman, like with all the different facets of your identity, right? Where it's like you can see that part of their identity, not be like, oh, I'm the first this or like I'll be the first this, where it's like, oh, this is it's like, oh yeah, this, this is someone else who's done it. Like this is normal. Like I can do it too. Where it's not just like, can I do it? Will I be the first? But you know
1: you can do it because others have done it before. Yeah, I I mean, speaking of others who've done it before, though, and I don't know. So we were just talking about a podcast that you were on uh, very recently where you mentioned something that I'd never heard, speaking of winners, about Wendell. um, And you were in touch with you. You happen to be connected with Wendell prior to your Survivor mm. experience. Um, I love and adore Wendell. Uh, pre- previous pod friends, guests, shout out to Wendell, and also just an amazing uh, person who I'm thankful to to get to know a little bit through the community and Bryce when presents. But like, are, are there any people, I mean, if Wendell's one of them, That's great. Are there any people, though, who you'd kind of like shout out as helping create that space for for you um, from, you know, from the Survivor alumni that is or current players? Mm -hmm. Like anyone who's kind of helped make a more welcoming uh, space that you want to shout out in particular?
0: Of course. Like, I think one thing for Wendell, especially I was connected with Wendell before I played and just like having like. I remember thinking even like talking to Wendell and I also knew Dom, how I was connected to Wendell being like, Oh yeah, like I'm going to have a fun time playing, but like statistically speaking, the winner is this age and this range and this range. So like probably not going to work out, but then them being like, no, like don't count yourself out. It's like, you can win. It's like, you like there are people like you who can win. It's like, it's not just about that. Like having that encouragement as well means a lot or like even like talking to Dom where it's like, I had like, or talking to dom and him being like no i see you being like a survivor player like i can see you being there it's like you both like you're on the island having that encouragement also means a lot like to me as well too or like even like even during the survivor experience as well too like gabby pascuzzi from yeah. Life. we're both emotional people mm-hmm. it's like this is like a great like adventure or just like being able to connect with her just like pretty much anyone who's ever like messaged in the survivor community with open arms it's like it's just such like i feel as if like the the overall community is just such a positive and welcoming community like all just across the board where i've just always i've never felt not accepted
1: yeah and you know a thing a thing that i um at least i guess i can appreciate from being part of that community is how much um just even seeing you and how much love you give to people. And so there are two things that come to mind for me. One of them is a whole story that T-Bird, T Bird, uh, Teresa Cooper, shout out to T Bird again, former Pod Friends person, um, mentioned just in relation to you at an event um in Atlanta, she was saying, just how you showed up for someone. Um and uh I I think of T-Bird in this moment just uh how touched she was seeing your example of showing love to the community but the other thing is that i have a distinct memory and i actually was talking with a couple of friends about this who met you at the event here in washington dc where i met you and it's two of my friends kyle and keegan who just had gotten engaged and y- you they asked to take a picture with you you looked and saw I think like the rings on their finger and you were like oh my god are you married and they were like no 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 and you were like I love love I love this so much and you just were like enveloping them with so much love as you do with like a lot of people with everyone in this community I will say as an introvert who has limited <laughs> amounts of energy I do not know how you I don't I don't know how someone is able to just share so much love, but where does that love come from that you have? Um, Because it's, it inspires me a lot. Like the world needs it.
0: Yeah. I think like a really big part of my love and personality, like I said, it all comes down, especially to my faith. Mm -hmm. So like, I know, like I'm someone who I'm Christian. And like, for me, like the biggest thing, which I always like look up to is like, like, we're just like, loving and caring and meeting people where they're at and loving and like that's just some like attributes where a lot of people see where i see it in christ where it's like he would always go take time for people like people would approach him and then like even his disciples would be like oh no like you can't talk to this person or we're too busy but like he'd always take time and like be genuine and like be genuinely interested with those interactions mm-hmm. in my personality like i'm a very big people person i like that's something which i have like i love people i love connecting and like that's something where it's, it's like I have the ability to do it. I have the ability to connect with people. I have the ability to like learn stories, right? Which is Mm -hmm. so funny because I'm horrible with names, but like (laughs) I'll remember like faces and experiences. But I'm just so bad with names. Like I genuinely, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you here? This is so cool. Like, I'm like, and like I do genuinely love love. Like I remember, I was at like for example, I was at Disney just this December someone yeah. recognized me and they were there on their eight months. Like they got engaged. Like they were, it was, they dated for eight months and they just got engaged oh, wow. and they weren't engaged at Disney, but they were engaged. They were they they're doing like their engagement trip in Disney. And I just, and I still remember them and I hope that they're doing well. And like, cause like I genuinely like these interactions genuinely do me the lot. And I'm like, Oh, I wonder how they're doing. I wonder how everything's fine. Cause I'm genuinely, I just love, like there's so many different people who all have different stories. And like when you interact with them, you, you each they become a piece of your story and you become a piece of theirs and it's just mm-hmm. th- i think that's just such a beautiful thing
1: uh this is a, it's like powerful to hear and so interesting it, it's so there's it the love just radiants, radiates radiates mm-hmm. off of you marian it's glowing i hope people are watching the video just to see <laughs> the glow the the glow of love i don't know um but i i think that it's um it's great even just to hear how much um I don't know how much you're also able to feed off of that love. And I, you know, I actually think of someone. So I grew up going to um, like going to a like, well, actually a bunch of Catholic schools, even though I'm not Catholic. And in high school, I went in like all boys Catholic school. And I had this one advisor who used to like, give this talk at school, which funnily enough, like one time I recommended him for a TEDx talk. And now it has like three million or four million views, and his message was so simple. It was love and be loved. His name is Billy Ward, um, by mm-hmm. the way, and I'll like maybe I'll send you the link to his TED talk or something. But like just the idea that you know, in order to be loved, we also have to put out love, and you know that's something that you're you're displaying. But you know, I I will say, as someone i think like when when i taught when i asked you earlier about like what is like the like what's weird about you marianne like something that came to mind for me that i feel like is so weird about me is like i am a um i am not an extrovert i'm definitely an introvert but i'm also like an extroverted introvert or someone who's like who comes off as more social at times and i struggle sometimes to like uh, especially connect within these community events just because it's so overwhelming like mm-hmm. Marianne is right in front of me what am I supposed to say <laughs> was in front of me at one point and I was like I don't even know I can't I can't I can't but that's probably a common experience do you have advice for people to like um, navigate not only this our little survivor RHAP community, mm-hmm. but do you have advice for people to navigate like the nerves in terms of connecting with community because especially I mean, as as a natural, you know, I I, you probably have some amazing advice for, for that.
0: Yes. I think the biggest advice, which it comes from it, was when you're interacting with people, when you're meeting with people. People won't remember the exact details. They'll remember the gist of it, right? So it's like if you stumble on your words, people won't be like, oh my gosh, I remember when I met Matt at this event. Like he stumbled on his words a couple of times, like messed up things. But then overall, like I'm like for the DC event, like I met you and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember I met Matt. Like Matt likes XYZ, Matt knows this, 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 right? So it's like you don't need to be worried about the whole procedural part about meeting people, because that's not what people are going to remember. They're going to remember the gist. Right. And it's like (laughs) and the fear of the procedural, I think, is so small based on the experience of meeting the person that you want to meet. Right. Like Uh it's like I remember meeting I met Boston Rob recently. And mm-hmm. I remember just being so gagged and I was like, Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I have like, and I have some like buffs, which I got. And I'm just like, I'm like, I need to get Boston Rob and Ethan on to like sign my winners. Uh, yeah. and, like, and I was like, and I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm going to look so nerdy if I do this. And I'm like, yeah, I'll look nerdy, but then I'll get signatures <laughs> on the buffs. So like, that's yes. a win. So I literally went up, i was just like, Rob, I'm just like, can you sign this for me? And like, Ethan, can you sign this for me? And it's like, they probably were just like, oh, yeah, that's that Barry Ann who went and got this sign. They're not going to be like, <laughs> they're like, it's like, but the thing is, whatever they think of me, I got my signature. Like, I got that. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter what they think, because I, I got the signature. I got what I wanted out of that experience. I got what I wanted out of that interaction, you know, unless if like, they are being like yeah. extremely malicious and so not say, like, do something evil, but because it doesn't matter what the other person thinks. But no. in, in the small into inter- like connections and interactions, it's like it doesn't like the small things about like being a little awkward or being a little nervous. It doesn't really like, it doesn't like it doesn't matter because it's about like, it's about what you want to get out of that interaction too.
1: Look at that Marianne. You have, you have so much, you have so much to give to the world. (laughs) um, Not only in terms of your perspective, but just like um, a beautiful way of like putting it together and saying and reassuring people and all of that. Um, I I want to ask you know in follow-up so because I think this is an interesting topic in that as um you know when I joined Rob as a podcast uh have the beautiful mug right here (laughs) Mm -hmm. um I joined RHAP though as part of the class of 2020 call of new podcasters and the like and then you know I got I first that was the first time I really got involved in the community and went to events and um I went to a bunch of Bryson when presents events and it was interesting to get to know people in the community, like as friends and also to see like how they interacted with these, like with the different people who'd come into the space, like the Ceres, the Marianne's, you know, casual superstars, legends. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to ask, um, you know, something I realized in this last season you know, in particular, season 43 and and um, even interacting with some of the players on the season it, throughout is like so often people will come up and they will ask you about Survivor, which I'm sure is appreciated. But I wonder, are there like are there questions or aspects of your life that you wish people asked about more? Um, because I, I would imagine that the, that oftentimes you do get the same questions from from folks.
0: Um, you know what, my answer is no. Mm. And, and the reason is this, it's like, people will come and ask you about questions about what they need or what they want in that moment, you know? Uh So if they want things about Survivor and I'm like, no, but ask me, let me tell you about this. It's like, (laughs) they're not, it's not providing benefit or value in that interaction or that conversation, it's not like, it's not going to get out of it. Right. So like, I love sharing my story, but the reason I love sharing my story is because there's many parts of the story, which are impactful. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, it's like, I won't go and tell like but a part of storytelling is like knowing which story and when to tell it. Right. Yeah. So, like, if I'm talking, and someone's asking about survivor, then maybe talking about like the story about my mom, it doesn't have provide value in that moment. Doesn't mean that that story isn't less important, but it means that it doesn't just have value in that situation. Right. Mm. Where like a lot of times people will like ask other questions, like, oh, how do you get your confidence? How do you do this? And then that's when I can go and talk about it because that provides value to that moment in that moment. So, like, honestly, any question that's asked, I really do appreciate because I know that it provides value in that moment. And I know that. There still be other times to share my story, like based on whether it's like interactions with I am known because a survivor, whether just it's day to day interactions in the workplace, or just like when I'm just like out and about, and that's when it's important for that story to be told.
1: Yeah, I I love what you're saying too, and I also love your appreciation for just speaking to, kind of going with the flow of Mm -hmm. life and people and how people are naturally inclined, and you know. Because I would well, I guess the, the follow question I have, and this might be a tough one, I wonder if anything will come up, but are there, uh, well, let me frame this a little. Sometimes I feel like in life, um, there are moments where you have a conversation or an interaction where it's like, wow, I even surprised myself with whatever I shared or whatever came out. But thinking of some of those interactions you mentioned with the community and like some of the questions that people have was there, has there been any like advice or wisdom or insight that you've shared that like surprised you or jumped out that listeners of pod friends could potentially benefit from anything that you haven't touched on?
0: Um, like, I think the biggest thing, especially where the most advice, which I've noticed I've said commonly is a lot of people then ask oh how did you get on survivor what should i do to get on survivor or like what did you do to get on survivor but i think that and i actually heard it first from adam klein and he has like mm-hmm. the best way to say it and that's like don't live your life that like you were trying yes. to get on survivor live a life that's worthy of getting on survivor and the way mm-hmm. that i interpret that is like honestly just live like and it even can be extrapolated outside mm-hmm. of survival where it's like live the life that you want to live. Don't always live just focusing only on the end goal. You mentioned about earlier about like people yeah. driving on autopilot and they're not m- noticing the stops on the way. And yeah. I'm somewhere where I, I really love the stops. Like I really, I'm, it's something which is always there. Like I remember one time I had a concert, but the concert was the day before a massive midterm and everyone's like, ah, oh, I guess you're going to have to like, not go to the concert. And I'm like, no, I'm going to this concert <laughs> where it's like being able to go and live life and like, see the and like smell the roses see the flowers like say yes to the ex- experiences and opportunities whether you think you're ready for those opportunities or not like being able to say yes and like, and like even if you go and do the op- opportunity and like you don't like it at least you've done it like recently i walked off the edge of the sea and tower which is one of the tallest freestanding oh, yeah. like, buildings i hated it and i would not do it again <laughs> but the opportunity was there i'm like you know what let me let me try it let me see if it's there because like that's something that's so cool which and it pushes me out of my bounds so And, you know, just explore and experience.
1: Wow. And I I love this. And I just even like love diving in with you about, you know, how you look at life, because I think that it's really easy for people just to pick up on um, pick up on your energy and like the words that you might say. But I hope that like this conversation helps people get a grasp or a more full grasp of not only who you are, but also I think maybe more well more importantly, like who they could potentially be, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things I appreciate about just how you show up is that it really just gives more options for people who are looking for examples and for representation, like oh, I' can, look, Marianne, I wasn't even planning on mentioning this, but you know when we dms about about um pod friends and setting this up and everything, I looked. Back and i saw that i sent you a message on like a dm where i was like mm-hmm. oh marianne you probably will never see this this is it was right when you won survivor and i was just like you know thank you for showing up and sh- you know showing that people like you and the way i put it at the time was like just nice people like mm-hmm. nice people but people who bring all that you bring can succeed in life and that's an important lesson um and so i appreciate that you um the people get that from you uh I wonder beyond the inspiration that like I get that others get from you. Are there other people beyond your mom? Like we've talked about who Dr. Mom, I'm sorry. Um, who, <laughs> <laughs> like other, other people who like inspire you or inspirations, role models that you might have, whatever you'd want to call them.
0: Oh my goodness. Any inspirations or role models? Let me think about that. Um, I think it's people very just like close around in my life that inspire me like one part like i love how my, my sister my older sister she she when she has a passion she follows that passion regardless of what anyone else thinks i inspire that like tenacity that's yeah. something that's amazing i love how like my brother just literally takes life by the reins if he wants to do something he'll figure out a way to do it and he'll do it even if it might make some bad even if there's some bad decisions, he'll still do it like <laughs> there's just so many people in my life just like surrounding like i love for example, for my season, I love Tori. She has such a passion, especially uh-huh. for women yeah. and like self-confidence and like, and especially like for like disordered eating that like, she has that passion and she puts and and like, she doesn't care how like, like she doesn't care about like how well it does. She's just like, and it, it is doing well, mind you. Like, but let like, she's just like, this is something I'm passionate about. This is something which I feel I need to speak about. I'm just going to speak and put it out there. and But people who will listen, who will listen. And that uh, she just has that yeah. drive. Like, I just like, just so many people who like I just like, inspi- like inspire me just in my life just surrounding me like I feel as if I get the inspiration most from people who like are around me
1: yeah and I mean I know that so I, th- I think that's powerful like what you've shared about the inspiration you're finding going back to where we started this conversation uh maybe unexpectedly probably it was definitely unexpectedly for me with you talking about like Looking for your path and where you mm-hmm. want to go. I kind of want to come back to that because I am very curious. Um, I don't know. I feel like we. I want to come to some kind of conclusion, or like Marianne. Here's the career you should have. You should be a teacher of da 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 da, and da-da-da. I don't know. Uh, but I I think back to to that, and you know, the question of where you want to go is fascinating to me, coming from you because. I think that it's no secret you like even in this conversation are so good at processing and evaluating. You might not have the answer of what you want to do with your life, but how do you think you might go about figuring out the answer? I, this is a big question, but
0: like, I, just like I said, just by trying and exploring. And then, fit, like, just basically p- doing the James Cameron avatar route, you know, where you're gonna go, you make avatar, no one remembers it, and you're just gonna keep on throwing stuff at it until uh-huh. something sticks, you know? Uh-huh. So, like, throw stuff at it that, th- like, so figure out what my interests are. And then throw it at, be like, okay, I love speaking. Maybe I want to do public speaking. It's like, I'm very passionate about my faith. Maybe I want to go into ministry. It's like, I love health. It's like, I love health communication and promotion. Maybe I want to go somewhere in that, you know, just seeing those passions, throwing at it, trying it out, seeing if it sticks. And then if it does stick, then there we go. If it doesn't stick, let's figure out what parts of it, why didn't it stick? What did I mm. like about it? What did I not like about it? And then move forward with that information.
1: Yeah I mean Marianne I have to ask though like because I love when people put things out into the universe I know that you don't have there's not a clear you know a clear idea of here's exactly what I want but if you just had to put out into the universe where you would be in five years you know when you turn 30 and things that you might want to be able to kind of look back on or or have achieved or accomplished or things you might have wanted to grow into whatever that would be off the top of your head Marianne what are some of those things that you hope five years from now you'd be able to throw anything out it could be anything
0: oh my gosh five years from now I would want to let me I'm just doing the math to just figure out some math
1: Don't okay. worry, you'll, you'll, there still we be, go. you'll still be you'll still be young at, at 30. Trust the math, me. the math.
0: math. OK, five years from now, I would want to maybe buy my first home, maybe Ooh. know mm-hmm. more about where the path is, you know, have enough things that stuck out that I'm like, OK, so this is kind of where I'm going or this is what I, this is. like This is where I am right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, What else? I'd love to have gone to Australia by the time I'm 30. Love uh-huh. travel, something about that um by the time i'm 30 this is the unhinged part of me i'd love to be married by the time i'm 30 Ooh. um what else would i buy by the time i'm 30 um that's all i got for you right now
1: having a home buying a home having a home going to australia to visit Channing gus of course you got it and uh which also uh i'm i'm hoping shannon's listening to that this because i'm i i Look, I told shannon last time I saw her the first time I met her, which was a few months ago. I need to go out to Australia. So that's look, maybe maybe I'll let you know when I'm going and then <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just, Marianne, I have an extra ticket. Uh yep. it's expensive. We'll, we'll, figure it. It <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um and being married all that so powerful. and I'm glad you put it out there. And if it's anything like your survivor cast mm-hmm. bio It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. (laughs) So, I have to ask though. There's one more big question I have. Well, there are a few more questions I have for you, but one question I have, um, and I appreciate like you just how amazing you are going with all of my questions. But I am curious. Like, is there looking back? um, So, I don't know if this is looking back at yourself five years ago or as a teenager or child or whatever it might be but is there advice that you now have for your younger self just in retrospect i feel like i should be holding up a picture of you like baby you like marianne advice you have for your younger self
0: advice i have yeah the advice that i have for my younger self it's genuinely just keep being you like you're on the right path you're just keep keep being you. You don't have to change yourself. Good call on that for not feeling like you have to change yourself. Mm. Just don't like be genuinely you. You don't have to push people away because you feel as if you won't be accepted. You'll be accepted. The people who will care for you will care for you. Just keep being genuinely you. And it'll and then it'll work out.
1: Wow. Marianne, this is beautiful. And I have to say, before asking like my final question, mm-hmm. I I have to say this. Pod friends might set a record in that it is one of the shortest Pod friends episodes by a few minutes. But wow! No, Marianne, I know you're trying. No, no, I know I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to pad the time. I'm not
0: like Shannon Gus with her podcast trying to pad the time to not become a record.
1: Oh my God, the feud between you and Shannon it goes on. It's Always. happening. It's beautiful. We love Shannon. Do we? And- yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, um she should have chosen you as her her winner pick, and yeah. I know that she knows that. And
0: it's all good.
1: Pop <laughs> era Shannon, inner pop era, pop <laughs> era Shannon. No, stop us! It's, it's, I need to defend Shannon. No, no, Marianne, you're wrong. I'm gonna end this podcast in <laughs> defense of Shannon. Gus. Shout Kick to your Shannon. side, Matt. So, <laughs> the line has been drawn. Oh, I know. I have, I, I have to pick Shannon's side. Um, but, you know, Loki, like, you're on my side, especially yeah. when we got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have to ask my, I ask one question. And actually, I asked this to Shannon when she was on Pod Friends, mm-hmm. And I'll ask you, and I ask everybody, Marianne, if your life were a book or documentary, what would the title be and why? What would
0: the title be? And why? Mm. I believe Ooh. that the title of my book would be Life is a Roller Coaster. Ooh. And yeah. why? Because it is. Where it's like, Because especially if you're like me and you're a thrill seeker, but you're like a reluctant thrill seeker where you love the thrills, but you get terrified of it. There's always that moment. There's the highs, there's the lows, there's the moment where you're terrified and you're like, why did I choose to do this? Why am I doing this? Like, should I really be doing this? Like, no. Then after immediately after the, why am I doing this? Then the fear of doing that, there's that, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy that I did this. And then after that. It's getting off the roller coaster, then going back after a couple of years and then going through that process again and then being like, well, I did it last time, but maybe this time I shouldn't have done it. Maybe I should have. And just going through that experience of the highs and the lows and still enjoying the ride, whether you were scared about going or not or whether it's not. That's what my story is, the book.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. And honestly, it reminds me I haven't been on a roller coaster in a while, so maybe I need to go figure that out and do that. But Marianne, just as we wrap up, I want to give you the space to share any, uh, well, hopefully not final words, um, but any words for the listeners, for anyone who's tuned in for the Rob Has a Podcast community. The floor is yours.
0: Of course, not that many words to say. I feel as we've covered a lot of it, but the words are keep being kind, keep being you. It's like, keep, remember that we live in the present, but all we have, a lot of the things we have are our memories. And then it's so much nicer to have a memory of like, oh yeah, I did do this rather than the memory of like, oh, I should have done this.
1: Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Pod friends featuring Marianne. And now... As we're fresh off this episode, I want to ask you to do one thing in particular, first and foremost, and it's to leave a voicemail. And you could do that at speakpipe.com slash podfriends, which is a link that you could find in the show notes, the show description. But again, I would love for you to leave a voicemail with your thoughts, what resonated from Marianne, um, thoughts on podfriends in general, thoughts on me in general. I don't know, uh, maybe not, but uh, you know, Speakpipe.com slash PodFriends is where I'd love to hear from you about how this resonates, what jumps out, what's meaningful to you in the conversation with Marianne. Um, And I I don't want you to underestimate how much I want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at your your podcast. Yes, it's still going. I want to hear from you with what you think, how you're feeling. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to take for granted that we uh, th- these podcasts we don't always hear from people um and i would love to hear from you with your thoughts what resonates what you relate with what you learned all that stuff all that goodness so leave a voicemail send an email podfriends at rob dot com. um social media i'm at matt Scott GW, and you can follow me there for all the latest including More about my podcast, The Wrestling Wrap-Up with the one and only Mari Fourth at Mari Talks Too Much to like the number two where we talk about pro wrestling and make it fun. Um, And, you know, again... Last but not least, please subscribe to the podcast. Rob has a website dot com slash pod Would really love those subscriptions to keep the lights on. Uh, so again, subscribe. And last but not least, thanks so much to Rob Sesternino. Thank you to Scott St. Pierre, Sam Moore, everyone behind the scenes. I won't go through all the names, but you know who you are. Thank you for you for... In, help and bring this to life and thank you to all of you for listening to making it to this point it really does mean a lot to me and i love to hear from you um, sincerely just as the extra motivation to keep going with this show um but last but not least as i say at the end of each and every one of my pod friends episodes thank you like sincerely i i do mean this this isn't just a line um I want to thank you for being a pod friend, for being here, for showing support, for showing love, for joining me on this journey, the pod friend season to come, which is going to be a great one. And again, thank you for being a pod friend. Sick of being upsold at gyms.